Hey everyone, you're listening to God's Whole Story, a podcast of Worship Center. We know just how hard it is to read God's Word and understand it, so we decided to read the Bible chronologically this year and talk about it together. Thanks so much for joining us. Hey everyone, welcome to God's Whole Story. It's Chelsea and I'm here today with Chris and Ryan and we are in 1 Corinthians 11 and 12. And 13. And 13. <laughs> Don't forget the love chapter. I can't. Throw that sucker out. I've heard that too many times on too oh, many billboards. <laughs> too many people's Do I sound like a banging gong or a clanging cymbal right now? Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, okay, so we have some difficult uh, things we're working through today. So what, what do you guys want to talk about? <laughs> What difficult thing you want to talk about first? Well, we might as well start with chapter 11, since that was the first We're one going bankrupt. Reading. So yes. we've got some passages that uh, talk about kind of relationships between Christ and women and men. We've got head coverings. We've got a lot of these <laughs> things. And these are passages that, like, it's very easy to kind of take one of these verses and think, wow, Okay, independent of itself, this is this. And, and I think even a lot of, especially young believers nowadays, these are some of the verses they look at and say, what's going on? Mm-hmm. What, what do we do? So it's because we're in God's whole story, we want to remember that we're on a journey here that, you know, God has said a lot of things already, but we're also speaking to specific time and people and culture. Right. And these passages deal specifically with women. We've mentioned before on the podcast that, Generally, the Old Testament and New Testament view on women was not what it is today. Uh, and especially in Corinth, in these cities, the Greek culture, women were like so looked down upon. Some of the Greek philosophers said they were a curse sent by God to lead well, I men astray. <laughs> Just kidding. Sarcasm. <laughs> How many people on the podcast would be able to say that? Just Chelsea. Me. Yeah. <laughs> Um, they weren't able to be educated. They were treated as property. Like they were viewed as the substandard human beings. So sometimes it looks like Paul is continuing like this elevation of men over women. But what we also want to look for is how he's taking the culture of the day and he's moving it a step towards godliness. It might not be heaven on earth. It might not be the end of all things, but like he's working in a context that if he comes in and just goes zero to a hundred, everybody's not going to listen. Mm-hmm. But if he gradually, incrementally helps move that culture towards a standard that the Bible has been very clear on that men and women are equal in the image of God, he is, that's discipleship. That's community transformation. That That's the goal of what Paul is trying to accomplish. And this part of God's whole story is building the church. And so these letters that Paul is writing to all these different churches is they're building, he's building up the early church. And he's dealing with some wacky pagan culture. <laughs> yep. Like Corinth is, as we've said before, Corinth was a crazy place. Hmm. Uh, there's so many different pagan worship things going on here. So there's a lot that goes into these simple statements that if we just yank them out in our 21st century perspective, it, it can... Mean yeah. some different things. I was reading recently that even in the early church, the church leaders had such trouble with people just like opening their Bible and finding a verse and like using it to like solve a problem. And they like had to condemn it a lot. It's like, stop <laughs> just opening the Bible like, and pointing. Glad we're not like that I anymore. I know, it still happens. <laughs> but I just like, oh, they still struggle with that in early church. <laughs> it's kind of comforting. <laughs> uh, just on, so a, a couple things. I think it's really important to understand Paul as an actual person, an actual pastor in charge of actual churches in multiple locations. So what that means is that when we read, uh, when we read letters from Paul, I think it's important to understand the holistic view of Paul's understanding of God, because that helps us discern what is Paul's 
true view of God, what has been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit and like by teaching from Jesus, all those things, and what is unique to the culture. Because you can read this passage and you'd be like, wow, Paul hates women. But you can read some other passages in some other letters and be like, no, that's not true at all. Mm-hmm. So it is very, just just like God's whole story, actually, the same thing is is important. Like you have to actually put some work into this. You actually can't just look at 1 Corinthians 11 and and walk out with a, a view of Christian understanding of women. That's just mm-hmm. not possible. Do not do that. Um, another thing on the on the note about uh, how women were treated, there was actually a temple in Corinth full of thousands of female prostitutes. And the understanding was that if you wanted to please the gods, you had to go have sex with these prostitutes. So what does that do to a community's understanding of the value of women? They're regularly devaluing women. Actually, mm-hmm. some people um, say that part of this worship was that late at night, you know, nine, 10 o'clock at night, these women would actually go out and just like call from the streets, like, hey, who wants to worship tonight? Yeah. So Chris. what does, it, it's horrible. <laughs> but imagine living in that, mm. Like you, you would actually be pretty comfortable with some pretty radical boundaries, and that's what Paul's laying out in in multiple ways. Yeah. So usually the hot button passages here are maybe like the structure of how Christ and, and man and women relate, or the head covering passages. But in talking beforehand, we all agreed one of the the key like radical verses in this is actually chapter eleven, verse eleven. Among the Lord's people, women are not independent of men, and men are not independent of women. That God is, and Paul is kind of promoting this interdependence that's necessary between both men and women. And, you know, 21st century, maybe we look at that and go, yeah, of course. But that was radical in this church, in this culture. And that was that step towards a greater godly standard, even if it wasn't, you know, the ultimate next five steps. Mm -hmm. Okay, so in in verse... Three, Paul says, but there's one thing I want you to know. The head of every man is Christ. The head of woman is man and the head of Christ is God. When we read that, what are some, what are some interpretations of that? So some interpretations of that are that. <laughs> Why'd you take such a deep breath, Chris? Yeah. <laughs> uh, some of that is that that is a hierarchy or an order that's it's Christ, it's man, it's woman. Some people look at that in the family structure. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think you can get value out of that, this particular passage. Um, and that in some ways would also take a interpretation of head that is a little bit more in line with leader or, you know, in charge. Mm-hmm. Uh, another way that head is used biblically is that it can be source. Uh, and that's basically man came from Christ, woman came from man. Uh, and it's more of a historical account rather than a hierarchical account. There were some false teachings in Corinth that actually dealt with where people came from. And, and at least part of this could be reminding them of the history that uh, men came from women and it's uh, right. women aren't because some people were actually even saying women are superior, which would have been really a not re- well-received false teaching in this day. Right. So then to go back and say, hey, there's an interpen- interdependence that is warranted here right. uh, is a good application. And so for the people, as we're reading the Old and New Testament, and knowing that the audience, for the most part of the Old Testament is the Hebrews, they would have known the creation story. Mm -hmm. Whereas these people who are not Hebrews, but Greeks, Gentiles, um, they would not, this is Paul teaching them, this is where um, man came from. I, I have a couple of LOLs in here, just because Paul's just constantly just doesn't hold back. He's just like, if you want to argue with us, too bad. And then, um, where else is, oh, just verse 22, when he's just like, what? (laughs) 
I mean, it's kind of scandalous, but aren't you glad he was like that? Yeah, yeah, like, definitely. You know, like, so just, I think, and maybe we'll, maybe we will have touched, we're, spoiler alert, we're recording this way ahead of time, but <laughs> maybe we will have already touched on this, but the church in Corinth is a, is a mess. Yeah. Like, it's kind of amazing that they are even sort of leaned into following <laughs> Jesus, because a lot of the hallmarks of their community is horrible. I mean, for example, and you can actually see it in this passage, mm-hmm. when they come together for communion, which is not communion like we understand it, like, it's just it's just like a drunken party fest. Right. Like They're coming because so, they're hungry. So, oh, my gosh. So you have you have the church just like totally trashed out drunk in the yard and you have the prostitutes just walking down the street being like, Hey, what's up? Like this church is crazy. Yeah. Um, it's very crazy. So it's very necessary for Paul to enter in and be like, knock it off and stop it. Like this is not who we are and this is not who you will be. Um, and it is important to know you, you alluded to this, but the, the tone in first Corinthians is a little bit different than the tone in second Corinthians. Mm-hmm. And that's something we can be really thankful for. Yeah. First Corinthians deals a lot with all these major issues that are going on. And when we read ahead and go to second Corinthians, it's kind of, yeah, like you said, it's a little restorative mm-hmm. and it's like, oh, <laughs> oh good. He loves them again. <laughs> I mean, Corinth would be definitely, especially in this letter classified as a church that's dealing with major division. Uh, I mean, just almost every chapter is a new scandal or a new division that Paul has to specifically address. And there's there's principles that we draw up, principles we can learn from. Uh, but this letter does, it, it does kind of take this uh, culmination up into the love chapter that so much of what Paul's pointing towards, whether it's worship, whether it's communion, whether it's the spiritual gifts, um, he is after trying to bring unity, trying to bring togetherness, and trying to promote love. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that um, I mean, that love passage is very famous, but I love the verse right before it where it just says, but now let me show you a way of life that is best of all. So he's all about unity and all about correcting all these wrong practices that are happening in Corinth, but he culminates it with this. This is how you should it should be among you. <clears throat> One of the other things I noticed in this uh, right before the love passage is a passage about spiritual gifts, and we're going to talk more about some of the spiritual gift passages that come later. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that jumps out at me is uh, there's so much unity language in the passage about spiritual gifts that this is there's one body, there's one spirit, there's uh, the same spirit. Like it's just so much unifying terms that the spiritual gifts were actually something that were supposed to unify the church of Corinth. And if you look at church history, unfortunately, spiritual gifts has been a thing that has often caused a lot of division. Mm. Uh, that's just every time I read that passage, I'm just like, wow, this. This is supposed to unify us. This is supposed to be such a blessing, and somehow um, we've allowed it to be a source of division. Yeah, that passage is a, a really beautiful picture of what the church should look like. All the members care for each other. If one part suffers, all parts suffer. If one part is honored, all the parts are glad. And I'm thinking in like present-day terms, not just like our local body of Christ, but the global body of Christ, where if one part is suffering, we all suffer. If one part's honored, we all rejoice. Um how cool would it be if it was like that? I it's hard to imagine. <laughs> no, Honestly. I think that's because that's like that's what happens in the ultimate restoration. Like yeah. mm-hmm. it is hard to imagine because we're not there yet, but we will be. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why that's why it's so fantastic. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Definitely. Guys, thanks so much for listening to God's Whole Story today, and we'll be back tomorrow. Bye. First Corinthians 11, starting in verse 2. 
I am so glad that you always keep me in your thoughts and that you are following the teachings I passed on to you. But there is one thing I want you to know. The head of every man is Christ, the head of woman is man, and the head of Christ is God. A man dishonors his head if he covers his head while praying or prophesying, but a woman dishonors her head if she prays or prophesies without a covering on her head, for this is the same as shaving her head. Yes, if she refuses to wear a head covering, she should cut off all her hair. But since it's shameful for a woman to have her hair cut or her head shaved, she should wear a covering. A man should not wear anything on his head when worshiping, for man is made in God's image and reflects God's glory. A woman reflects man's glory. For the first man didn't come from woman, but the first woman came from man. And man was not made for woman, but woman was made for man. For this reason, and because the angels are watching, a woman should wear a covering on her head and show that she is under authority. But among the Lord's people, women are not independent of men, and men are not independent of women. For although the first woman came from man, every other man was born from a woman, and everything comes from God. Judge for yourselves. Is it right for a woman to pray to God in public without covering her head? Isn't it obvious that it is disgraceful for a man to have long hair? And isn't long hair a woman's pride and joy? For it has been given to her as a covering. But if anyone wants to argue about this, I simply say that we have no other custom than this, and neither do God's other churches. But in the following instructions I cannot praise you, for it sounds as if more harm than good is done when you meet together. First, I hear that there are divisions among you when you meet as a church, and to some extent I believe it. But of course there must be divisions among you so that you who have God's approval will be recognized. When you meet together, you are not really interested in the Lord's Supper. For some of you hurry to eat your own meal without sharing with others. As a result, some go hungry while others get drunk. What? Don't you have your own homes for eating and drinking? Or do you really want to disgrace God's church and shame the poor? What am I supposed to say? Do you want me to praise you? Well, I certainly will not praise you for this. For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. So anyone who eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. That is why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. For if you eat the bread and drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ, you are eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. That is why many of you are weak and sick, and some have even died. But if we would examine ourselves, we would not be judged by God in this way. Yet when we are judged by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be condemned along with the world. So my dear brothers and sisters, when you gather for the Lord's Supper, wait for each other. If you are really hungry, eat at home so you won't bring judgment upon yourselves when you meet together. I'll give you instructions about the other matters after I arrive. Now, dear brothers and sisters, regarding your question about the special abilities the Spirit gives us, I don't want you to misunderstand this. You know that when you were still pagans, you were led astray and swept along in worshiping speechless idols. So I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God will curse Jesus, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we all serve the same Lord. 
God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work of all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith to another, and to someone else, the one Spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles, and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another Spirit. Still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, while another person is given the ability to interpret what is being said. It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. The human body has many parts, but the many parts are made up of the whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, and some are free. But we have all been baptized into one body by one Spirit, and we all share that same Spirit. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not a hand, that does not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if the whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it only had one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The hand can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. And the parts we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with the greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen, while the more honorable parts do not require this special care. So God has put the body together in such a way that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. This makes for harmony among the members, so that all the members care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. Here are some of the parts God has appointed for the church. First are the apostles, second are prophets, third are teachers, then those who do miracles, those who have the gift of healing, those who can help others, those who have the gift of leadership, those who speak in unknown languages. Are we all apostles? Are we all prophets? Are we all teachers? Do we all have the power to do miracles? Do we all have the gift of healing? Do we all have the ability to speak in unknown languages? Do we all have the ability to interpret unknown languages? Of course not. So you should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts. But now let me show you a way of life that is best of all. If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything that I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable, and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, and is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. Prophecy and speaking in unknown languages and special knowledge will become useless, but love will last forever. Now our knowledge is partial and incomplete, and even the gift of prophecy reveals only part of the whole picture. But when the time of perfection comes, these partial things will become useless. When I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child. But when I grew up, I put away childish things. Now we see things imperfectly, like a puzzling reflection in a mirror. But then we will see everything with perfect clarity. 
All that I know now is partial and incomplete, but then I will know everything completely, just as God now knows me completely. Three things will last forever, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. Hey guys, this is Ryan, and I hope you are getting a lot out of God's whole story. Uh, it means a lot to us, even as we are reading through God's Word every single day in the order that it happened. Um, if you want to go ahead and follow us, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at God's Whole Story Podcast. Uh, we would love it if you would share this thing with your friends or people that you know, or just share what's sticking out to you. Uh, you can either send us a DM, or you could actually email us at podcasts at worshipcenter.org. You can email us if you have any questions, if something stuck out to you, if you'd like us to pray for you. And if you want a Bible, if you don't have one right now, or if you want a copy of the one that we're using to go through God's whole story, we'd be happy to send that to you. So go ahead and reach out to us in any way that you'd like. We'd love to hear from you. Have a great day.